Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. Thank you for streaming this message. I believe this message will encourage you, it will inspire you, and it'll help you live the supernatural lifestyle of faith. We want you to live this supernatural lifestyle of faith, not have supernatural moments, but have it as a lifestyle. So we put all of this content out for you to receive so you can grow and live the life that Jesus made available for you. To find more information about our ministry and our resources, you can visit us at FCCGA.com or you can download our Faith Plus app. Our Faith Plus app has thousands of hours of faith building content and it's available in your app store right now. Open your heart. God's going to share something special to you through this message. Colossians chapter 1, we're going to pick up where we left off last week in the summer of freedom. We said no more shame last week. Say no more shame. And so we'll talk a little bit more about shame today and go further into the path of this series that God has us on this summer of freedom. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13. Notice what it says that Jesus has done for us. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed or translated us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. When you were born again, you were delivered from the power, that word there means authority, of darkness. So that means you're no longer under the control of Satan's kingdom. As soon as you were born again, you were delivered from the authority of darkness and translated. Or we can use it, you know, Star Trek language. You were beamed up out of the kingdom of darkness. And you were beamed in to the kingdom of the Son of God's love. When you were born again, everything shifted and changed where you were concerned spiritually. You're not under the authority of the kingdom of darkness. However, if you believe that Satan can make you do stuff, you do whatever he tells you to do. Everything in the spirit changed, but after it changed in the spirit, you have to change how you think. Because you could have got saved at age 30. And yes, now you're in the kingdom of the Son of His love, but you had 30 years of being trained by the kingdom of darkness. And that's why it's so important to be in the Word every day and come to church, because what happens in Romans 12, your mind is renewed or renovated by the Word of God. So Satan can't make you do anything. Say, Satan can't make me do anything. If you're born again, you are out of his control. Sure, he can influence you. He can deceive you. He can try to persuade you, but he cannot force you to do anything. He does not have that power or authority over your life anymore. Notice what it says in verse 20. And by Jesus to reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled. The New Living Translation says, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. A lot of times we focus on our actions. Okay, yeah, our sinful actions can separate us from God. But notice the scripture said thoughts. So that means if you think the wrong way, you can create separation between you and God. Even though God is saying, hey, I'm here with open arms for you. But if your mindset is wrong, you will put distance between you and God. And we talked about last week how shame is a wrong mindset and will put distance between you and God when God has his arms wide open to receive you. You'll end up like the prodigal son who is eating with the pigs. 
when his father is beyond rich. Remember how that went? He joined himself to a citizen of that country. Now, when he understands that Jesus is a master storyteller, when he puts details and stories, you want to pay attention to it. So this is a Jewish young man who was a rich young man who went, took his inheritance, and spent it in wild living. And now he ran out of everything. A famine comes into that land, and he can't find any of his friends, his fake friends, to take care of him. So he finds a Gentile and says, I'll be, I'll just, I'll work for you. And so he's sent to take care of the pigs. Remember, to a Jewish mind, that is the worst job possible because pigs are considered unclean. And while he's taking care of the pigs, he wants to eat what the unclean is eating because he has no other options. So while he's out there with the pigs in the mud, watching them eat, wanting to eat what they're eating, he comes to himself. And he says, my father's servants eat better than this. They have everything they need. So I'm going to go to my father's house. And as he practices whole speech. Father, I've sinned before you and before heaven. Please make me like one of your hired servants. And so he came to himself. His thinking changed. And then he went home and he began his speech. Father, I have sinned. But before he could finish, his father was already embracing him. Remember, this dude has been in the mug with pigs. He stinks. He's not cleaned up yet. But now he's embraced by his father. His father ran to him. And it says, get the ring. What did the ring represent? It's like a black card. It's no limit. Whatever you spend is paid for by me. Get the robe. Put my robe on him. Put his, he's not clean yet. He hasn't shown fruits of repentance yet. All he did was turn and say, Father, I've sinned. God said, that's enough. I got you. And then he said, kill the fatted calf. It's steak time. Now, to us, it's like, okay, fatted calf, steak, great. They have a great meal. But what you don't understand in Jewish history was they would reserve a fatted calf just in case God showed up. After God had appeared to Abraham back in Genesis, they said, just in case any of us have a visitation like that, we're going to have, if we have the money for it, for a fatted calf. And so what happened, Jesus, the master storyteller, is saying that when you come home, I give you everything that's mine. You got the ring. You got the robe. Now you got the fatted calf that was reserved for me. It was waiting for you all the time. Now the brother who lived right but lived still with the wrong mindset was upset. I'm not coming to the party. And his father says, your brother was lost his home. Why are you upset? He says, I did everything you wanted me to do. You didn't throw me a party. And he said something to him that some of us need to realize. It was yours all the time. Everything I had was yours. Remember the older son who stayed already had his inheritance too. But the father said, not just your inheritance, everything that I have is yours a change in mentality. Both sons needed to think differently. And whether you are here not living close to God and you're far away from God or you're living close to God, I want to challenge you to change your mentality. Everything that belongs to God is yours. What is saying First Corinthians? He said, all things are yours. Galatians, you are an heir of this world, meaning the whole world belongs to you. 
You have to change your thinking. Because if you don't, you'll live separated from God. When it's not God pushing you away, you're pushing him away. His arms are as open and wide as in that parable Jesus told. The Heavenly Father is waiting to embrace you today. All you have to do is turn. You know, that's what the word repent means. It means change your mind and change your direction. Sin separates, but Jesus reconciles. Say, sin separates, but Jesus reconciles. Go back with me to Genesis 3. Shame separates. Shame will not make you holy. Shame will not make you godly. Shame won't help you live the life God has called you to live. Shame might make you religious, but shame will trap you. And one of the things we saw from Genesis 2 and Genesis 3, what happened when Adam and Eve sinned, they became ashamed. And what was the first thing they did? They hid themselves and made themselves clothes of fig leaves. Now, fig leaves is not proper clothing. That sounds like that's going to be itchy before long. But shame will cause you to cover yourself up in inappropriate things. Because remember, Eve was tempted by the enemy. He took a good desire Eve had to be more like God, to be godly, and he twisted it. He offered another way to become like God. He offered a way that was against what God said. And it says when she looked at the tree and saw that it was good to eat and it was desirable to make one wise. See, the enemy will often trick you with trying to get you to think another way, think this is a better way to think, a better way to operate. But really, it's going to be a way of thinking that will trap you, a way of thinking that will cause separation between you and God's plan for your life. And what Eve didn't realize, and Adam didn't realize when they ate that fruit, not only was it going to put separation between them and God, it was going to change their status. Eve and Adam, they were already like God. But when they partake of the fruit, although they were made in the image and likeness of God, they now bear the image of the fallen one. They didn't realize that's what that temptation was driving them to do. They hid themselves. They were ashamed. The innocence they had, the purity they had was gone. Shame is not a cure. Shame separates. And as we covered last week, Jesus bore your shame. Whatever Jesus bore, it is your job to resist. He bore your sins, so you resist sin. He bore your sickness, so you resist sickness. Right? I'm challenging some people kind of religious, like, oh, no, that sickness was sent to teach me something. No, it's not. If it was sent to teach you something, you wouldn't go to the doctor. Because if you really believe that, you going to the doctor is in direct rebellion to God. If sin was sent to teach you something, that means every hospital is evil. That means every doctor, every nutritionist is partnered with the devil. You don't believe that? So stop saying out your mouth. That sickness was not sent to teach you something. It is from hell, so resist it. Now, pastor, you don't know how I got it. You don't know what I smoked, what I did, who I slept with. It is from the devil, so resist it. You resist the sin, you resist the sickness, and you resist the shame. If Jesus carried it, 
you resist it. Say, if Jesus carried it, I resist it. Let's give you a couple of definitions. Shame, the painful feeling arising from the consciousness of something dishonorable, improper, ridiculous, etc., done by oneself or another. It's the sense of failure in the eyes of another person. It carries with it the intense pain of feeling unworthy, disconnected, and unloved, both by God and other people. I shared this with you last week. I'll read it to you again. There's a difference between guilt and shame. Guilt is seeing what we have done. Shame is seeing ourselves as failures because of what we have done. Guilt is feeling bad about what we do. Shame is feeling bad about who we are. Guilt is an awareness of failure. Shame is a sense of failure in someone else's eyes. Guilt is about disobedience to the word. Shame is how others perceive us or how we see ourselves. Shame leads us to a lifestyle of bondage. It leads us to make decisions that keep us from connecting with God. Here's some results of shame. Shame will lead you to cover up with religion and become focused on works. Shame will lead you to become focused on religion and cover yourself up with works. Shame will lead you to lying, deception, false pride. Shame will even lead you to victimization. Shame will cause you to identify with the problem instead of the solution. Shame is dangerous. And in Christ Jesus, you have no right to be ashamed. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Remember what happened when Adam and Eve sinned? When God came before them in the cool of the day? God said, who told you you were naked? Did you eat from the tree I told you not to? What did Adam say? It's that woman you gave me. It is Eve's fault. God, I didn't ask for a woman. It was your idea. You said it wasn't good for me to be alone. I was all good before she showed up. I wasn't eating no fruit without her. So God, it's your fault and her fault. Eve, that serpent, that snake that you made, tricked me. And here's the devil. No one else to blame here. But notice what happened. The blame game. Nobody took responsibility for their decision. They were so ashamed, both Adam and Eve made themselves victims. And so now they're blaming everybody else for their situation and their circumstance and where they are. And so guess what? If you always blame somebody else for your bad decisions, you will never be free. Because then everybody else is the problem but you. One translation of Proverbs 19 says, people make ruinous mistakes and then they blame God. People do stupid things and they blame God for ruining their life. I'm not saying to recognize if you are that person right now, I'm not having you raise your hands, but we've all seen that person who makes mistakes and everybody else is the problem. Everybody else, all their coworkers, 
Everybody in their neighborhood, everybody in line at Starbucks, the black man, the white man, the Republican, the Democrat, this person, this person, everybody's to blame but me. Could it just be that they're making themselves victims because they're ashamed of how they lived? Shame led our original parents to play the blame game. Here's the results of victimization. We notice other sins, but not our own. We excuse and condemn ourselves, saying, I've just always been this way. I'll never change. I'll never be good enough. That's still part of victimization. Well, that's just who I am. That's just me. I've always been this way. My parents were this way. My grandparents were this way. My auntie and uncles were this way. That's just who we are. Don't identify with your struggle. Don't identify with something that God says don't be. Well, I'm just trying to keep it 100, Pastor. No, you're, no, 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 no. You're not keeping it 100, nothing. You're keeping it with the kingdom of darkness that you're not a part of anymore. You are agreeing with a lie. You're agreeing with a deception. You're agreeing with a falsehood. You're agreeing with an identity that does not belong to you. Oh, I'm not trying to be fake. No, no, no. You're being false. If you're agreeing with what Satan says about you, you are agreeing with a falsehood because that's not who you are. But he'll get you to play the victim saying, this is always how I'm going to be because this is what I've done all my life. This is what I've seen. I haven't seen a better example. I was exposed to something better, so this is who I am. I'm ashamed of my background. I'm ashamed of my past. I'm ashamed of my family. I'm ashamed of my education. I'm ashamed of all these things. So there's no way I'm going to get out of this position. Anything that tells you you are stuck this way is a lie from hell. Anything that says you are limited and cannot succeed in this life is a lie from hell. I don't care how old you are, how dark you are, how light you are, whether you're a man, whether you're a woman, whether you're from this nation or another nation. If something tells you you cannot win in this life, it is a lie because Jesus did everything necessary for you to be a champion. Galatians chapter 5 says those who are in Christ, a new creature, have the advantage. Yes, other people may have more privileges, but you have the advantage. When you walk into the boardroom, you have the advantage. When you go to make your presentation, you have the advantage. When you go over here, you have the advantage. Why? In Christ Jesus, you are a new creation, and you have the advantage. It doesn't matter what your past looks like. He didn't say, well, you have the advantage if you lived a clean life. You have the advantage if you did everything right. You have the advantage if you fasted for 30 years. You have the advantage if you're the new creation. Every person in Christ is a new creation, but not every person in Christ thinks that way. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. What is he talking about? What has passed away? Your identity. Who you used to be. All the things, all the sin, all the mistakes, all the failures, every lie that Satan trusts stick to you is gone. I said it's gone. 
It's not there anymore. But there are too many people in this room watching online, too many people in the body of Christ today who believe they're still the old man. Because they even have a religious phrase saying, oh, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. That is an oxymoron. Pick one. You're either an old sinner or you're saved by grace. You can't be both. Oh, but pastor, I sinned. Okay. Doesn't make you a sinner. Before you were saved, you did some good things. But that didn't make you righteous. It didn't make you holy. So why do you think your activity now after being born again can change your status? Because you know what happens if you're a believer and all you do is focus on sin? Do you know what you're going to do? You're going to sin. You know, the people say, oh, people, preachers should preach on sin more. I heard one preacher respond, well, my people sin well enough. They don't need any more encouragement in that area. If we focus on sin, what will we do? Sin. If you focus on your addiction, what are you going to stay? Addicted. I've told people this before, and I'll tell them again. I was telling someone uh, this week recently, and they said, well, Pastor, I'm trying to kick cigarettes. Okay. Oh, it's hard. Okay. Every time I mean puff, say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Say, I don't need this. Every time we do it. Well, do you know what's going to happen? Eventually, they're going to pick it up and say, I don't need this. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But as long as they think they need it, they'll smoke it all. You don't need that weed. You don't. Well, pastor, it's just, you know, a poor man's vacation. I'll say it again. Number one, you don't need it. And number two, God has not called you to be poor. Going to a dream vacation is way better than that weed you're smoking. Let Jesus set you free and pay for your vacation. Just because it's a catchy lyric doesn't mean you need to believe it. You need to watch some of the things you be singing. What are you identifying with? What are you identifying with? What word are you identifying with? Ladies, how dare you call yourself a bee? That ain't who you are. You ain't a dog. What are you identifying with? Instead of calling yourself who God says, you're identifying with these worldly terms because it gives you some sense of affirmation. But false affirmation. No, look, I know. On your mama, on your hood, you look fly, you look good. I get that. But what else are you saying? What are you identifying with? Or here's a popular question today. How do you identify? What do you identify with? Are you identifying by your past? By your shortcomings? By your mistakes? By everything Satan has lied to you about? Are you identifying by your feelings? Why I feel this way today. How many know your feelings change? Sometimes moment to moment, especially if you're hungry. You hangry, now you feel all such a things. All you need is just a little snack and you think the world's made right. So you can't. Keep your identity based on your feelings. 
You have to identify with what God says about you. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus, who never sinned, was made sin. So us, who sinned a whole bunch, could be made righteous. You are not a sinner. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's what we call the great exchange. Galatians 3, it says that Jesus became cursed. Now, why is that so strong? When you understand how sometimes they refer to God in the Old Testament, they called him the blessed one. So the son of the blessed one, the one who came from the blessed one himself, was made a curse so that you can be blessed. Which means you can't be cursed. What happened in the Old Testament when Balaam tried to curse the people of God? He says, I can't do it. God has commanded them to be blessed, and I can't reverse it. When Moses retold that story in Deuteronomy, he says, God did that simply because he loved you. He stopped Balaam's operation, and he says, you can't curse them because I bless them. If God did that under an old covenant, what has he done for you under the new covenant in Christ Jesus? What's a curse? It is the empowerment to fail. Who has cursed you? I'm not talking about witches and warlocks. I'm talking about people in your life who sort of spoke life over you, but in your childhood they spoke death. They said you'll never be this way. You'll never get far in your life because of this. They put all these curses over you, all these limits, all these labels on you that now you identify with these labels. Hello, my name is Cursed. Hello, my name is Limited. Well, pastor, you don't understand. I'm an immigrant. You don't understand. I don't have all these degrees. You don't understand I'm black, I'm white, I'm Latino, I'm this, I'm that. I can't make it in this life because of this and that and this and that. Hello, my name is Cursed. Hello, my name is Limited. You're not saying you're righteous. You're not saying you're blessed. You are identifying with a limitation sowing through over your life. That's not who you are. Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Some of you... And you haven't even been living this way in a long time. But you still identify high on my past. Hello, I'm divorced. Hello, I've had an abortion. Hello, I've had an affair. Hello, I've had a bankruptcy. Hello, I'm a failure. Hello, I failed over here. Hello, my kids didn't do what they're supposed to do. Hello, I didn't raise them the way I should.
do you identify? Hebrews 12, let's go here. You know you're bringing it home when it gets quiet. They're quiet in this room. They're probably quiet on YouTube too, but I know I'm talking to you. Hebrews 12, 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Well, you're like, well, pastor, what is the sin that so easily ensnares us or traps us? It's different for every person. Every person has something they struggle with that the Bible says don't do that's different from the other person. That's why we don't judge people who sin a different way than you did. Everybody has something they struggle with, but what you need to make sure is you do not identify with your sin. Say, hi, I'm this sin. Don't identify with sin. But pastor, that's what I'm dealing with, but that's not who you are. I said, that's not who you are. Or say it this way, that's not your name. Because it says, hello, my name is. And too many Christians say, hello, my name is failure. Hello, my name is curse. Hello, my name is sin. Hello, my name is failure. Hello, my name is whatever Satan has said. Hello, my name is whatever culture has said. Well, do it for the culture. Well, if the culture's telling you to identify with hell, then don't do it. How do you identify? Have you got the guts enough to tell Satan, that's not my name? Look, I know enough of you had boldness in elementary school. If someone called you outside of your name, you had some responses. Some of you say, Pastor, I still got those responses. I know how to clap back. Jesus be working on me, but I got it. I'm, I'm getting ready for Thanksgiving now, Pastor. They, they don't want to try me. I got words and I got these hands. You clap back on everybody in the flesh, but you don't know how to clap back on Satan. You believe whatever he tells you. He calls you a failure. Oh, yes, Satan, I'm a failure. He calls you cursed. Oh, yes, I'm cursed. He calls you defeated. Oh, yes, I'm defeated. He calls you broke. Oh, yes, I'm broke. He says you're never going to make it. Oh, I'm never going to make it. You need to learn how to clap back on the devil. You need to stop agreeing with your enemy. Anybody else tries, you say, oh, I'm so hood. Well, put your hood with your faith and clap back on the devil. This is a fight. It is the good fight of faith. Stop punking out. You are more than a conqueror through him that loves you. Do not let Satan convince you that you're not a conqueror. Do not let Satan convince you that you're not a champion. Don't let Satan convince you you're not on the winning side. So in the midst of the pressure, you say, you know what, I ain't giving up. I'm not gonna let the pressure change my identity. I'm not gonna let the pressure change what I say. In the midst of the pressure, you say, this is who I am. 
I am the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. This is who I am. I am the blessed. This is who I am. I am the healed. This is who I am. I have a sound mind. This is who I am, full of the wisdom of God. This is who I am. I'm anointed. This is who I am. I'm strong. It says, let the weak say that I am strong. This is who I am, called for such a time as this. This is who I am. I have a purpose. I have a destiny. I'm not an accident. I've been planned by the Almighty God. This is who I am, an agent of God's goodness. This is who I am, a recipient of the goodness of God. This is who I am. I am in Christ Jesus. Don't you dare look at yourself outside of Christ. You are not outside of Christ. Look at this mirror and see Jesus before you see yourselves. You are in Christ. You can't see yourself without Jesus. Stop identifying with stuff that ain't you. So many of us are like blind Bartimaeus. See, that name means son of privilege. He came from a privileged background. But when he met Jesus, he was begging. And when he heard Jesus was coming by, son of David, have mercy on me. And people said, shut up, dude. He doesn't have time for you. Son of David, have mercy on me. Shut up, man. He doesn't want to talk to you. Son of David, have mercy on me. And I said, Jesus stopped in his tracks. He says, come here. Notice the first thing he did. He took off his cloak. See, that's not just a random detail. That was his class. That was his identity. He was an official beggar outside of Jericho. The government has given him position to beg. And the way he meets his needs now is by begging. But when Jesus called him, he said, I'm not who they said I am anymore. I'm not a beggar anymore. I'm not going to be blind no more. So I cast away my jacket. I cast away my former identity. And I'm going to the son of David. And he's going to have mercy on me. So Jesus is before him saying, well, what do you want? And he says, I want to receive my sight. And Jesus said, according to your faith, may it be done to you. He was healed and made whole, and he followed Jesus in the way. So you have to understand, one of the people shouting Hosanna on Palm Sunday was Bartimaeus. You have testimonies surrounding Jesus. You have Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, and Bartimaeus saying, Hosanna to the son of David. You have people shouting, he changed my status. So you know how easily it has changed your Facebook status? Jesus can change your status. Lazarus was dead, but now he is on Palm Sunday alive. Bartimaeus was blind and a beggar, but now he's walking with Jesus. Don't identify with the lie of don't identify with your past. Don't identify with your shortcoming. Don't identify with your struggle. Be like Bartimaeus and throw that away. Because you believe that your Jesus will have mercy on you. So no more shame. No more victimization. No more believing the lies of the enemy. If you want to live this life of freedom, you have to throw away the old labels and limitations. And when you look at yourself, 
you see Jesus before you see yourself. Because you are in Christ, in him, in whom you have your being. You have your existence. You have your living. You have your identity. So who are you? Righteous. You're righteous. Well, pastor, I didn't earn it. That's the beautiful thing about this salvation. You didn't earn it, but you received it by faith. And whatever you're saved by, you live by. You were saved by grace through faith, so you live by grace through faith. You identify by grace through faith. You say who you are before it has even showed up in the natural. Well, Pastor, you don't understand what I smoked before I came into this building. I did not ask you what you smoked before you came into this building. I'm just letting you know that in Christ, you can drop that. Because you're not an addict. Well, that's what they said I am. You're not an addict. Well, Pastor, you don't know what I did before I came here. You ain't that either. Stop identifying with where you fall short. Because if you always identify with where you fall short, you will never go far. If you identify with what God said, and you say it with your mouth, and you stay in the word on that, it's going to change the way you think. But that's only going to come by what you see, what you hear, and what you say. Go to Isaiah 61. We'll close here. Because Isaiah 61 is what Jesus was quoting in Luke chapter 4, one of our main passages for this series this summer. We're going to punch shame one more time. Isaiah 61, verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, we know Jesus, Paul's preaching here, but the verse keeps going, so this lets us know this is what the Holy Ghost is doing in our day. Say, our day. And the vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion. We talk about that on Wednesday. To give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And they who, all the people who just received from these first few verses, shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and feed your flocks, and the son of the foreigner shall be your plowman and your vine dressers, but you shall be named. Notice as he gave him a new name. The priest of the Lord. They shall call you the servants of our God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, Instead of your shame, instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. And instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. Going back to the prodigal son, 
in shame, in the mud with the pigs. He comes home. Everything is given back to him more than what he left with. Some of you are living far away from God. He said, I lost so much. Turn around today. Turn around. Turn around. Turn around. For your shame, you will have double. It's because what, do you, what makes you think God would just give you a nice little clean ending with no, no big, dramatic flares of blessing? Didn't he say, the glory of the latter house shall be greater than the glory of the former house. So you may have ran away, and you're thinking about the former house, because the former house is better than what you're going through right now. But I'm telling you where God has taken you is better than what you've experienced. It's better than what you left behind. Now, let me talk about you to people who like, I've left some stuff, but not because I did something wrong. I left it because God told me to. I left this career because God told me to. I left this privilege because God told me to. And it seems like I'm doing without. Jesus says no one has left houses and lands and spouses and brethren and sisters and this and that who shall not receive 100 times in this life and in the world to come, eternal life. So, so some of you who say, I'm missing out because I gave it away to Jesus. It ain't over yet. The will of God is for you to get maximum return. Because God counts what you left as a seed. You said, God, I give you my life. I'll leave this. So for those of you leaving your shame today, you're getting double honor. For those of you who left some other stuff to follow Jesus, you're going to get the maximum return. Don't let Satan lie to you and say that you won't get it. Don't let Satan lie to you and say you're going down the drain. Don't let Satan say this is too big for you to handle. You don't know all the stuff going on in the nation. You don't need to know everything that's going on in this nation. You don't need to know all the ups and downs of the economy, everything that's going on and what may happen in the stock market tomorrow or not. You don't need to always worry about what did Asia do before the stock market opens. What you need to focus on, what God told you to do. What you need to focus on, who you are in Christ Jesus. What you need to focus on, what God said he would do for you. That's how you deal with the pressure. Because you have to understand that Satan will put pressure on you to change what you say. Because if he can get you to say it, you're identified with it. And now you've given him access in your life to make it come to pass. The spirit world revolves around words. And the spirit world revolves around this natural word shaping it into the things that it is. So Satan will apply pressure to change your mouth. So you have to learn how to handle that pressure with skill. Like we talked about in the offering today. You know what? I'm not going to stress a word because... The Lord went before me. So I'm not going to say something that's different than what God said. We're the ones who call things that be not as though they were. That doesn't mean I deny the facts. You might say, well, I have a broken arm. Well, put your arm in a cast. Your arm's broken. But instead of just saying that all the day, say, you know, my arm's healed. We're not denying what's going on. We're just enacting a greater truth. I'm not what happened to me. I'm not my situation. I'm not my circumstance. I'm not what they did. I'm not what they said. 
I'm not what I did. I'm not what I said. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am in Christ Jesus. That's my identity. That's how I identify. I'm not going to let Satan name me something. I'm not going to let Satan call me something out my name. If that's not what God called me, then I ain't calling myself that. I'm calling myself what God said. Because names have power. So he said, I'm struggling. Well, stop calling yourself struggling. You're overcoming. Well, pastor, it's a hard time. Yeah, it is, but you're stronger than the time. Pastor, there's a lot of pressure, but you can lift it. I said, you can lift it. I said, you can lift it. So don't give into it. Lift it. And if you're carrying something that you shouldn't be carrying, get it off you, like the Lord told me. Don't carry stuff you ain't supposed to be carrying. Because if you do, you'll give into the pressure and start saying things you shouldn't say. And you know what happens if you keep saying stuff you shouldn't say and identifying with stuff you wouldn't? You'll eventually throw yourself a pity party. And you'll feel sorry for yourself. Here's why this is dangerous. It says godly sorrow works repentance, which leads to life. That's what 2 Corinthians 7 tells us. What is godly sorrow? It's like, oh, I missed it. I feel bad for what I did. God, please forgive me. That's godly sorrow. But then it says the sorrow of the world produces death. What is the sorrow of the world? Shame. The pity party that comes with shame. You never moving out of your situation because you think there's no way I can be better than this. It produces death. But that's not who you are. Your godly sorrow is not supposed to last forever. It's supposed to be for a moment that makes you repent. Worldly, worldly sorrow, shame, is meant to condemn you. It's meant to victimize you. It's meant to trap you. You are not your past. Do you realize, you know, we have people in the Bible labels, but Jesus didn't give them the labels. Like Thomas, he's not doubting Thomas, according to the word. He doubted one time, we call him doubting Thomas. He ain't doubting Thomas. Just like Peter's not denying Peter. Just like Paul's not terrorist Paul. When you read through their writings, they say about themselves exactly what God said. You know, Paul, in telling the story, he brought up his past, but you notice Jesus never did. When someone brought up Paul's past to Jesus, Jesus said, go your way, for he is a chosen vessel for me. No, 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 Paul didn't fix his life yet. He just got knocked down to the ground. And he said, who are you, Lord? Quickest conversion in history. Now he's in a room praying. He hasn't lived a life of repentance for God to say, oh, he has lived holy all these years. He's chosen. God said, he's mine. God looks at you and says, you're mine. You're his. That's your identification. You belong to him. He's not going to bring up your past. Because it says once you confess your sins, it's thrown into the sea of forgetfulness. So you can bring up your pastor, God, oh, God, I did this again. This is my millionth time doing it. He said, what are you talking about? 
I don't remember all those other times. He forgave you and forgot it. So it's time for you to forgive yourself and forget those things as well. You are not your past. You are who Jesus says you are. Stand to your feet. Thank you for streaming this message. I believe it encouraged you and is going to help you make Jesus famous in your everyday life. We would love to be, stay connected with you. So subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, our YouTube channel, download our Faith Plus app, and visit us at FCCGA.com to learn more about our ministry. If you would like to support our ministry financially, you can also do so by our website at FCCGA.com or by texting FCCGA to 73256. If you would like to submit a prayer request, you can do so at our website as well. We would love to agree with you in faith, and we know you'll receive an answer according to the Word of God. Once again, thank you for streaming this message. And remember, God has a great plan for your life, and something good is going to happen to you today. So expect miracles. God bless.